Hey everybody, this is Mike. I just want to give you a heads up that portions of this recording are a little kind of garbled and echoey. I don't know why. It sounded fine when we were recording it live, but you know, there are some skips and some burbles here and there. I think you guys will be able to get through it. It's really not too bad. And if you, if, if it offends you so much, you really have to turn out the podcast. Well, then, hey, that's your prerogative. But I think you'll enjoy it. This is a fun one. We have a very special guest. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pony Express. As always, I am your host, Post Writer Editor-in-Chief Mike Levito, and I am joined, as not as always, but as frequently, by Post Writer Contributor Lewis Ryan. Hey, Mike. Nice to frequently be back again. <laughs> it's like, it'd be a little dishonest if I said always, because it's not always, but, but it's becoming always. Um, and... Uh, we are also joined by a very special guest, uh, straight from the With a Gay Twist podcast, it's Zachary Bird. Wow, a very special guest. Now I feel <laughs> very much pressured. <laughs> that uh, will be okay. Um, if you know Z- Zachary, if you listen to Politics Express, Zachary has been in a couple episodes of those. Um, but uh, we were talking and it, it sounds like you... Uh, you, you wanted to get some time away from the depressing world of politics and, and do, do some fun pop culture stuff for, for a little bit. Well, you know, as much as a, a good sadist as I can be, <laughs> uh, every now and then it is nice just to branch out a bit and go for something uplifting, inspiring, mm-hmm. joyful, like Black Adam. Right, yeah. So, here I um, am. I'm also outnumbered now because I am now the only person I believe on this podcast without a film degree, which means I am probably the least knowledgeable of what we're about to talk about. So, yeah. So anyway, Lewis, as uh, I think we should <laughs> just take lead on this. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah let, let's should we should we talk about this in a structuralist perspective or a more formalist <laughs> perspective today, Zach? I like doing both at the same time, just to spice things up. And we are already sailing way over my head. Um, so let's 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 bring this back to Earth, back to Kondak specifically. Uh, in this episode of Punk Express, we'll be talking about the latest effort of what I suppose you could what is being called the the DCU, the DC Extended Universe, the latest in DC Comics' film efforts, and of course Warner Brothers as well. Uh, Black Adam, directed by John Colet Sarah. And starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson as the titular Black Adam, Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, Noah Centineo as Adam Smasher, Sarah Shahi as a character whose name I can't quite remember, Marwan Kanzari, Contessa Swindell, Mo Ammer, Bodhi Sam- Sabungwai, I'll fix that later, and Pierce Brosnan, of course. Um, so yeah, uh, we've been, Lewis and I have been talking about comic book movies a lot for this kind of sub-series, Forges of an Eptitude we have on this, so... I'll, I'll start by asking the question we ask at the top of each of those episodes um, for you two guys. How familiar are you with the character of Black Adam? I know, um, Zach, you're, you're like a comic book person, right? Like you, am, am I right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a moderate comic okay. book person. I wouldn't say that I'm like full comic book nerd. I mean, I do take a comic to work every single day that I can read on my lunch break, but 
I wouldn't say that I'm a huge comic book nerd. Okay. Um, but, but, but you're knowledgeable, um, mm. enough. Um, so yeah, what are, are we familiar with Black Adam? Cause I, I, like, I don't think I've ever read a comic with Black Adam in it. Like I, I knew of the character and was broadly familiar with him, but, uh, that's actually not true. I have read comics with him in it, but just not very many, but what, what, what was our sort of feeling on this character going into it? He's a bad guy. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've only read like a handful of comics with, uh, Black Adam too. Um, I know he's, he's obviously a big part of, uh, DC's, uh, Maxi Series 52, mm-hmm. which was quite popular back in the day. And he was, uh, brought in more into the mainstream fold in, a Jeff Johns Justice Society run in the mid 2000s. But yeah, he's, he's kind of flown under the radar, which is a lot of, uh, people on Twitter have been seeing, have been saying like Black Adam is not like a key part of the DC universe. Like Rob Liefeld a couple of weeks ago infamously tweeted that like I I had never read a comic with Black Adam in it. It's like not a thing that you know people growing up in uh, the past few decades like they could have gone their whole lives without hearing about Black Adam. So that's actually one of the things that interested me about this movie is that he's kind of a a bit unknown of a character to like the general audience and stuff. So you can do a lot more interesting things I feel like with a character as opposed to someone like Batman where obviously the audience is like super familiar with it. So they, um, you kind of like know what you're getting when you make a Batman movie, but with a black Adam movie, you can do something a bit more interesting and off the beaten path. Yeah. I also have never read a comic with black Adam in it. Uh, I know of him just because he is, uh, prominently featured in a couple of just other things. The DC online game that came out, God, over a decade ago, I guess, at this point. Uh, which, if you have not seen the trailer for that game, it is one of the greatest trailers to any game you have ever seen. And still, to this day, holds up so well. And I really think they just need to make an animated version, like an animated film, based on that sort of artistic style and that kind of story. Because it's it's really killer, seriously. See it, Watch it if you haven't watched that trailer. Um... You know, and he's featured in Kingdom Come, of course. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there's anything that I'm like, oh my God, yes, Black Adam, he's great. But I don't think Warner Brothers really cares that much about established IP and established audience recognition of characters, as I'm sure we will get into in the rest of this podcast about all the other characters that are in this film that no one knows their ass from their elbow from these characters. So. I think this is something that just, uh, you know, obviously The Rock has known about this character for a while. He's been trying to make this film since God was a boy. And (laughs) I think it's just because he sort of looks like this character. And I think that, I mean, he, obviously, he's a walking superhero himself, basically. And there's not a lot of superheroes who are are non-white. And I think it's just sort of like, obviously, if you're going to play a superhero, Black Adam is who you would play. And I think he just wanted this, you know, so much. So he just did whatever it took to get it made. And here we are. It came to fruition. It certainly did. So you alluded to it. So this, you know, in a lot of ways, and we can unpack this a bit more later, more than just a Black Adam movie, it is kind of a... um, it felt in some ways, I think, as sort of like a backdoor attempt to create like a Justice Society series because it's um, the four other most prominent characters 
in this are, as I mentioned, Aldous Hodge as Hawkman. Um, we have Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate, Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone, and then uh, Noah Centineo, Netflix teen heartthrob Noah Centineo as Adam Smasher. Um, were, were we familiar with Justice Society? Like, Justice Society is one of those characters who I've read, or not characters, one of those teams that I have, like, read more about than I've actually read. Like, when I was reading about the history of comic books, obviously Justice Society plays a very big role in that. But I've never actually sat down and read, like, Justice Society issue number 20 or whatever. Same. I've never read any Justice Society either. Hmm. Uh, however, it is interesting to note that I believe, even still to this day, I don't know if it's still running, as a matter of fact, but they've always been called the JSA, the Justice Society of America. Yes. And I like, I, I think that's a positive thing, that they dropped the A. It's just the Justice Society here. Uh, because that's something that over the last several years comics have been doing. They've been trying to get away from this sort of American-centric thing. Uh, Superman recently in the comics denounced his American citizenship because he didn't want to just be holding just to one country. He was here for the he was sent to the to Earth. He was not sent to mm-hmm. America. Uh, so I think this sort of disentangling some of these superheroes from America uh, has been a good thing, and I think this is another example of that. That is true, Zach, and I did note that um, that they did drop the A. Although you can, I believe you, they do have a JSA logo. You can see on like jackets they give out to Adam Smasher and Cyclone. And I do actually think that if they had the of America in the name, it kind of would have fit in more with like some of the themes that they were trying to play with in this movie. That the JS Justice Society is like intervening in Condock and so forth. But uh, I did note that as well. But as for me, I'm a big fan of the Justice Society. Um, I mentioned this before. I think when we talked about. Um, Superman in our Superman Returns podcast where it's like these are like they were originally characters that were actually invented like in the pre-World War II era so like they're actually like authentically of that era and then they've you know they kind of historically been around since then obviously like new members have been added members have been killed off and they've been replaced with like sort of legacy versions of those characters but I like love the JSA Um, I love like what they mean to like history Um, you know they've got kind of like this the uh, old-fashioned mystery man spirit and they kind of got like the old mentor characters teaching like the newer younger superman superhero characters so like that's always been a big part of it so i like reading uh just a society comics so i think they've got a bit more uh stuff going on than the traditional like justice league comics i'm a big fan and i'm glad that they're uh making a big screen debut here in black adam which i actually think is one of the more um novel things about this movie since it's actually a film about a uh, a villain character so forth it's an interesting way to introduce like a whole team of superheroes because like that's a big uh sticking point i hear with a lot of um people that are fans of the mcu is that like the mcu it's like you can't have the avengers without like the five films leading up to it so i think actually having like a film based around this villain is an interesting i'm not going to go so far as to say it's actually clever but i think it's a mildly clever way to introduce this whole other team of superheroes by having this film based around uh, this villain character yeah, I, I don't entirely disagree, even though, I mean, we'll get into it, I may quibble the execution a bit, but it is an interesting idea. Um, yeah, I, I, like you were saying, the idea of them being just a society of America I, makes sense. Like, they are very clearly government agents in this um, movie, and, like, their their status as government agents, their purpose, and their, their motives are questioned because of that. And I do think that is probably the most interesting thing about this movie. I mean, it, it takes a I mean, I, you could probably say it's like an, an it's it's interesting, right? Because I feel like a lot of online discourse about the MCU, a lot of criticism is that like, well, you know, these are characters who are being treated like, you know, 
uh, I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. is technically sort of like super governmental, but, um, you know, eight like government agents, like they, they collaborate with the Department of Defense on these movies. Um, whereas this is this, I mean, this, this, I think it, it, in a way tries to differentiate itself by being, I mean, I guess you could call it anti-imperialist. Like it is basically about just to steal a line from Dave Weigel, who wrote this in his Letterboxd review, like it is about what would happen if Iraq had a superhero essentially. Um, so yeah, that, that is interesting, but, but let's, let's, um, cause we, we talked about before and, and we're kind of jumping around a bit, but, um, Zach, you mentioned how the rock had been really wanting to make this movie cause he, he looks like black Adam and all that. Um, so what did we think of our friend, uh, Dwayne Johnson in, in, in the titular role? Um, did, did, did we enjoy his performance? Did we not think about it very much? What, what, what do we think about, about old Dwayne? Oh, I, you know, he just, he looks great. Mm-hmm. Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> See, this is a thing I really, I don't understand. I remember uh, back in the day, I was taking a, a star studies class with uh, Mr. Postrider himself, Lars Emerson, and um, where we, everyone in the class had to like do a presentation about like a modern day movie star or like, you know, some movie star and like someone in the class did one on Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And it's like, that's when I like learned that people have like very strong opinions about The Rock. Like they either like really love him or they're big fans of him or they're like against him and they seem to like despise everything about him. And I fall like squarely in the middle where I have like no strong opinion of like The Rock. Um, I certainly do think he has like charisma, but um, like I have like no strong opinion. So I like, I saw lots of people online. Like, I think they want this to fail just because like The Rock's in it. And um I don't know. I, I, to me, that's like neither here nor there. Um, I know he's been wanting to play this for a long time since like 2007, I think it is like as far back as it goes. Um, and I certainly wasn't opposed to him. Like, cause like I said, I have no real like strong burning desire behind a black Adam movie, but, um, yeah, I, I thought he was uh, good. You know, I thought he was fine. It's certainly, a better quote-unquote fan casting than i would say john krasinski as mr fantastic um so i think he he executed that better than this and it's, it's in- interesting that um he finally gets to play it after so long and not just this movie but also in another movie that came out this year he also got to play about black adam which was uh, dc's league of super pets so he got to play uh, black adam in two different movies this year he plays i know he voices crypto he plays black adam as well in that yeah if you stay during the credits mike you could uh, see a scene where he plays black adam i think that he i mean all, all kidding aside i mean i don't think anyone would ever be like oh my god the rock is the greatest actor he is giving you full marlon brando mm-hmm. no but that's not why we go see the rock that's, that's not we why we we schlep ourselves to a theater in the middle of a cold rainy day to be like, Oh my God, I want to go see a moving touching performance by the rock. <laughs> no, we want to go see muscles bulging that eyebrow get lifted, that funny charismatic wit that he has. It's undeniable that he's charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to see him kick ass and take names. Uh, and, and to that, he fully accomplished his goal. Uh, we're not going to be seeing seeing some sort of Oscar-worthy performance from him. Um, he's not the convergence of physical power and acting. You know, he's he's not Angelina Jolie. Um, <laughs> you know, who who can who can do both? Uh, but that's okay. We 
we, we, we know what we signed up for and we got exactly what we signed up for. Yeah, I, I generally agree. I agree, obviously, that he has a natural charisma. Um, and, you know, I, I, I watched a couple of episodes of Ballers back in the day. I thought he was pretty good in that. Um, but I also think that he's not really given a lot of opportunities to flex that charisma in this movie. I feel like Black Adam as a character, at least in this movie, as this sort of, like, vengeful, rageful um really mirthless character despite the couple of jokes they try to give him i think it it works to the rock's detriment because i think he cannot necessarily sort of sort of carry the pathos that um would would make that role sing and again i think it's more of a writing issue than it is an acting issue per se um but there was something about it that felt a little blank to me so you're saying you didn't like the writing in the scenes where they basically ripped off T2? Uh, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, just, I'm just making sure we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a good way to think about it. Because I was wondering, like, what does his relationship with this kid remind me of in Terminator 2? Is yeah. a good And way. the kid having to teach him, like, how to say things. Mm-hmm. And then him saying it wrong. Yeah. And then he gets opportunities later to say it correctly. Yeah, it was full T2. Yeah, that's a good point. Um. A little more tolerable than I actually think that the, the kid actor in T2. But um, again, I guess that's more of a writing thing too. Anyway, um, so that's The Rock. Uh, we also have, you know, the whole Justice Society. Did anybody jump out to you of the Aldous Hodge, Noah Centineo, uh, Quintessa Swindell, or Pierce Brosnan Quartet? From an acting perspective, um, none of them really blew me away, except for, of course, Pierce Brosnan, who I think ingenious casting Mm -hmm. for dr fate such a good choice for him um he's a brit obviously which so i don't know how a brit gets on the justice society of america but (laughs) hey we don't ask these questions we just smile and keep going um but i thought he did a great job um noah centineo or how did you refer to him uh netflix teen heartthrob noah centineo yes you know, he didn't really do it for me. Um, he, he 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 was so white bread, flaccid, just not really giving it for me. Uh, Cyclone, uh, who the actress who plays her, I can't remember her name. Uh, I really enjoyed her. I loved even just the the look of her powers, the sort of slow motion, all the fabric of her outfits were that was very cool, very cool. Um. Hawkman, yeah, he's okay. I mean, th- we're we're not seeing. This is not the Magnificent Seven. No, <laughs> but it was okay. That's I guess if I had to sum up my entire my entire theory or, or views on this movie, it would be it's okay. Fair enough. Did you have thoughts, Lewis? Well, yeah. Uh, thank you for asking, Mike. I think <laughs> they effectively introduced the Justice Society. Uh, so I think, you know, that if that was like the, the mission, you know, they introduced them by hook or by crook, they introduced them, no matter what you can say. I mean, you can either say you were blown away or, you know, you're not blown away, but I think they effectively introduced them in a way that didn't leave people saying like, boy, those guys are terrible. I hate them. Um, I don't know. I liked them. Obviously, I think a lot of people were anticipating, uh, Dr. Fate, I think to be the big standout takeaway because it's Pierce Brosnan, obviously, a man everyone knows from Remington Steele and Thomas Crown Affair and some other British movies. Um, 
but you know, I think uh, Aldous Hodge actually, I, I really liked his uh, performance. I think there's you know a not exactly flashy, but there's kind of a quiet dignity he gives Hawkman um, that I think you can under you can you can I can buy his strength in opposing a character as powerful as Black Adam. You know, where it's like by all accounts, it's like Black Adam could kill him, but he's going to stand up to him regardless. I could buy it. I really liked. Well, I liked uh, Adam Smasher and Quintessa Sundell as Cyclone. I mean, no, it obviously wasn't, like, that much better than, like, a CW TV show, but, you know, I really enjoyed them. They, they were young and fresh, and they contrasted well, I think, with the older, wiser characters. Um, so, you know, I, I bought them. Um, were they the four members I would pick if I were going to, like... You can introduce the Justice Society in the movie. Here are four characters you can choose from. Would I have picked these four characters? Um, not necessarily, but I think they were fine. They were effective. Yeah. Well, invoking the CW. <laughs> that I think that's actually. We can very... switch it out. We can we can switch it out with something else. Uh, you know, any show on you know the Bravo Network or Cozy TV or whatever you want. <laughs> no, I think that's actually a very apt invocation. Uh, th- there was a, there was a little bit of CW ness, definitely. Uh, um, I don't know about effectively I- introducing the Justice Society just because I I don't I could not tell you anything about Cyclone. I don't know who she is. I don't know what her character is. I also have to say, I saw this movie almost two weeks ago, and the fact that I don't remember so much of this film, I think also says a lot. That very little sort of stuck with me. Um, I mean, yeah, we saw all these characters, but I couldn't tell you who they are. I couldn't tell you their, you know, who they are as characters and what their 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 hearts are and what they're, why they're there. But that's just me. I mean, no, I, I think that is a fair point. I mean... Hawkman is there seemingly just because Amanda Waller asks him to be. Um, Adam Smasher is there seemingly because Henry Winkler is his uncle, and he used to be Adam Smasher or the Adam or whatever he was beforehand. Um, I think that that's all very fair. I do think it was effective in the sense that I did kind of want more of them. You know, I, I Pierce Brosnan, I think, great casting as far as the look goes. I think he sleepwalks a little bit through this role. Um but he's Pierce Brosnan. Like, what are you gonna say? He's great. Um, and like, yeah, no, nobody blew me away. But like, I enjoyed the dynamic of you know having two older heroes with two younger heroes. Like, I saw a little a lot of potential of this sidekick, uh, not sidekick, this uh, concept. And I, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I would have almost liked more of them. And again, I think writing again the bigger issue here. They clearly try to find a spark between Adam Smasher and Cyclone. I don't know that they necessarily find one. Um, they try to, you know, gin up some uh, some some comic relief between Hawkman and Adam Smasher. I don't know that they necessarily find it. Um, but on the whole, like, I, I'm intrigued to see more from these characters at the very least. So, yeah, let, let's, let's... We haven't really talked about what the movie's about outside of Black Adam, the character, so... I guess the, the kind of nutshell beginning of it is, you know, we get this whole backstory about, um, you know, this ancient civilization of Kondak where this tyrannical king, he, you know, wants to build his crown. There was revolt, a slave is executed, um, but is then given the powers of Shazam, which if you've seen the movie Shazam, you know, has like a modern day equivalent in Captain, well, what the character used to be called Captain Marvel. But no longer is. Um, fast forward to modern day Kondak, the Intergang, which is like this group of just mercenaries who I guess just kind of invade cities and take them over, uh, or countries really. 
um, is in control of conduct. We have Adriana Tomas, who is trying to find the crown. Um, and uh, she ends up finding both the crown and essentially the, the tomb, or so we think it's a tomb, of Black Adam. She reads this incantation. He wakes up. He kills a bunch of the inner gang. Um, and then in response to his awakening and his, the impending destruction, Amanda Waller calls the Justice Society into action. So what stood out to me about this was that this is like not a, um, is the, the, I guess, compactness of the story, because this is not sort of like a, um, there is not really an adventure to it, you know, um, this is a movie that takes place in basically one setting for its entire runtime. And I guess like, I probably, um, diegetically takes place over the course of like i guess 12 hours or something right um how did we feel about th this approach to telling this sort of like i said kind of compact self-contained story i mean for my money uh, it felt very rushed it felt a little like they tried to frankenstein together a story with all these different pieces i didn't think that it was particularly interesting i suppose the way that they sort of put all these things together uh, but i think this is this is what warner brothers does is they they look across the street and they see disney and marvel over there doing all kinds of crazy great things and they're like god damn it how do we get a piece of that and so they tried to do something like this as opposed to introducing these characters on their own through maybe an hbo max series or some other way so that we could know a little more about Cyclone or Dr. Fate or Hawkman. And then when we see them all together, we now care more. So you sort of get this little self-contained story that you're right. It takes place in essentially one location, essentially in a day. And I, I think it's, I think it's pretty rushed. I don't know. I liked it. It was a refreshing change of pace as opposed to going to a bunch of different locations. Not that you can't go to different locations and have a good movie, but at the same time, you can have a movie that takes place in one location over a short period of time and have a great movie. So, in my opinion, I felt it was a refreshing uh, change of pace, and I liked the, the, the compactness of it. To me, in my opinion, I think a big problem with this movie was like the marketing, and The Rock, I think, shares a big uh, portion of the blame because like, he's a big you know marketing guy. And a, a lot of the marketing has been promoting this as like a really dark and gritty movie. And The Rock's been like the hierarchy of power in the DC universe is about to change. You know, a catchphrase that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> um, so, and uh, I was, you know, disappointed by the lack of, you know, as Mike said, connection to the Captain Marvel slash Shazam mythos. Because, you know, Black Adam is like basically the evil counterpart to Captain Marvel. So I was like disappointed that we were going to get like a dark, gritty movie with no connection to really Captain Marvel slash Shazam. Um, which has kind of been the trend with a lot of the past Warner Brothers pe movies and a lot of people's opinions. They've been they've been really dark and gritty, uh, overly so, when these are things that are really kind of meant for kids. So I was actually surprised that this film, a lot of it, this this movie, in my opinion, is like a kid's movie. So it's like a kid's adventure film. Um, obviously, it's like not rated G, but, you know, I think a kid could watch this and it's not really that much more intense or something than like Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. Um, so... You know, obviously, he's, like, paired up with a kid. It really felt refreshing. There was a lot more connection to Captain Marvel and the Shazam mythos than I was expecting, so I was pleasantly surprised by that. And it was, it told a story with a beginning, middle, and end. It was compact. Um, 
uh, it didn't real feel rushed to me at all. But um, I, I'm certainly not going to disagree if you think it was rushed. Um, but I, I, you know, really enjoyed it. I thought it was refreshing change of pace as far as superhero movies go. Yeah, I guess what I kind of appreciated about it a little bit was that um, the way it just kind of committed to being an action movie, um, where it was just like, we are just going to have... It actually reminded me, and I feel like I'd make this comparison too often between other movies and, and what I'm about to say, but like, it reminded me of a Godzilla movie almost, or like a kaiju movie, where it's just like, we have this really big dude, <laughs> as opposed to a really big monster, and he is just going to be there, and he's going to like take on all challengers... And you're here for the fights and the smackdowns, and you're just gonna enjoy that. Um, so there was something to appreciate about that. That did also make it feel a little slight in points, and it tries to do the big emotional beat. It seems like they go for is that you assume that um, Black Adam is a um, that he was the, this this slave boy who got the powers of Shazam. Um, and what he actually is, is he is the father of the slave boy who was executed um, and then took his revenge on the king of Kondok and then was kind of imprisoned in this tomb. And that was, that reveal to me felt, I think, uh, almost completely flat. And I think to your point, Lewis, because if you watch any of the trailers for this movie, it is very clear that Rock is the is the father of someone who was killed. Like this is not like a twist that is particularly impactful or important, or like it's not even really a twist because the the cat was already out of the bag. And so I think when you kind of like, uh, you you take that kind of like lead balloon of like a an emotional beat and you pair it with this sort of very localized location. That's a very redundant thing to say, but you know what I mean. Um, you get a little bit it feel it starts to feel a little inert like i said i i broadly enjoyed watching this movie i thought it was fun um did not blow me away but like i said enjoyed it but to me that that's what kept it from being like a movie that i want to watch again because right now it's it's kind of not there for me yeah i completely agree that the cat was let out of the bag long ago i think in the in the very first trailer is you know it's that very 300-esque shot of you know the blood coming you know blood flying as the you know he's sliced up by the sword and you hear him the day that my son was killed or whatever like oh okay yeah we got that not to mention the fact that whenever they then show the father and the son we never see the father's face but you i know the rock's voice <laughs> i mean i'm i'm not a stalker but i know what he sounds like <laughs> and so when he's even though he's not speaking english I can still recognize, like, oh, that's that's totally him. And then you see his body, obviously not his body. They, you know, Chris Evans, whatever the reverse of Chris Evans is, uh, you know, his body onto a slimmer frame. Uh, but you still know, you can still tell it's him even before the big reveal. So that that was a little, eh, un uh, underwhelming. Yeah, I would uh, obviously I would agree. Um, and how did we feel about this too? Like as an action movie did did we think the action w w was pulled off well um you know I, I feel like the the talk about um 
a, a lot of these superhero movies now is that we're kind of getting the same thing when it comes to action just over and over but like what, what did we think about the way this it looks the the cgi all, all that good stuff uh i like the action i don't really have a whole lot to say about it without just you know repeating myself over and over but it's you know i liked it i liked uh you know when adam smasher made himself all big i thought that was interesting that's not the thing that's in every superhero movie obviously you can say it's like giant man in infinity war or you know whatever which one marvel film number 28 or whatever um but you he know i like first it. in i believe captain america civil war i was making a joke about people <laughs> like you mike and then you had to go and ruin it just completely let it fly over your head um but uh i liked it um you know lots of different powers i guess for people to play with you know um dr fate does the whole multiple people thing Hawkman and Black Adam can fly, so that's that's interesting. Cyclone. I really like Cyclone. There were a couple of shots that I like was appreciating, like the cinematography of Cyclone. Like they looked like an Alex Ross panel, like come to life, that I thought were quite interesting. Um uh, yeah, but you know, I, I like the action. I thought it was effective. It certainly wasn't like taking me out of the movie, like, oh my god, this looks so fake or so bad or something. But uh, you know, uh effective. That's my word of the day on my calendar. So I'm gonna say it was effective. Yeah, Cyclone's visualization is the gem. You know, it's the the, the crown jewel, I guess, of, of the action. The rest of it is fine. I, I wasn't blown away by any of the action. Um, I didn't think any of it was terrible. I just thought it was fine. One, I don't know if you would call this action or not, but it's interesting. I do like the way that uh, Black Adam when he's like sitting there talking to people, he's not standing there talking to people. He's floating there talking to people, you know, like a foot off the ground. And I think that's just really cool because I'm sorry, if I could fly, why would I ever put my feet down? <laughs> I think that's actually a very realistic. It's like then in man of steel at the very end when Superman and general Zod are fighting and they're destroying all of metropolis. And there's that part where, uh, Superman has gotten hit down and he's now on the ground. He doesn't then like put his hands down to then put his feet down to then lift himself up. He just floats his entire body horizontal to the ground up and then just flies back at him like, oh yeah, because if you could fly, that's what you would do. And this is, I think, is the same thing with him hovering. That's exactly what you would do. Yeah, I, I would agree. That, that, that was a good touch. Um, it feels like something that made it into like comic book based video games before it made it into comic book based movies just the constant floating because why would you walk if you could just float um i like like both of you you know i thought the action was generally fine i said i enjoyed this as an action movie the 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 few like quibbles i would have with it is one is they do this thing a couple of times where um it's like a character like like is about to like lunge at another character and they do this weird close-up thing that felt very, like, anime to me. Like, did anybody else notice this, like, weird thing they do where all of a sudden the camera just zooms up on this person when they're in, like, mid? Like, Hawkeye's got his, like, mace reared back and he's, like, going forward. And it it, it took me out of it a little bit just because it, I don't know, it just seemed kind of weird bringing attention to itself like that. Um, and then there's just that one, like, super close-up shot at the end where, like, time just kind of stops and the camera's swirling around the rock and he's very angry and it just kind of felt like a 
it felt like a PlayStation 3D model to me. It was just not super great. But like I said, on the whole, as an action movie, I think that's that's the best part of it. It's just the action movie parts. How would you have rather they shot it? Did you want it to be like an episode of The Office? No, no. I, I just... It's just one of those things where I just feel like CGI has gotten like worse. I just feel like a lot of these movies phone it in like a little bit. And I know there's lots of actual hard work that goes into it. Like I don't mean to disparage anybody who actually worked on the movie. But I just feel like we have reached a point where, um, as I mentioned, I just feel like I've seen most of this stuff already. And I'm just waiting for just like another like perspective, another way of imagining how these things should look. Because right now it just kind of looks all the same to me. Hmm. Um you know, just, just a little bit of superhero fatigue in general, I guess. But um, the other question I would ask is just, am I kind of dumb or did anybody else? So I was watching, I'm watching this movie. We get to a point where you think that um, the villain who it does not, I mean, like if you're watching a movie and you've watched movies, you can say, oh, this, this, there's something going bad with this guy. But um, the character of ishmael who um wants this crown so he can become sabak who's this big like demon guy who looks kind of like trigon anyway um he appears to kill himself um and the justice society convinces black adam to like voluntarily put himself in suspended animation they fly to like the arctic um where there is a base um that they say is the task force x base which if you have watched uh, the Suicide Squad, that is what they call the Suicide Squad. Um, and they put him there, and then they leave, and then all of a sudden, Sabak wakes up, and the Justice Society goes to face Sabak. And I, for a minute, thought that, like, we were going to end the movie without coming back to Black Adam, and they're going to be like, surprise! Justice League Society 2 coming out in two years. Um, did we, like, did, was anybody else faked out by that? Like, did, did, did we have feelings about the way it kind of made that awkward transition and of course black adam comes back at the end but i don't know am i the only one who like thought about that at all (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy mike (laughs) you thought that was gonna happen (laughs) that was like my idea for like uh the the james gunn suicide squad is that when like they release starro and like Mm -hmm. amanda waller tells them to leave that the movie would just end with them leaving and like the Justice League fights Starro instead, <laughs> and it just leaves. Like that's like a crazy idea, but I I I didn't think that was gonna happen in this Black Adam movie. No, that didn't cross my mind, Mike. Okay, I hoped it would happen. I hoped the gods would be merciful to us and say, "Hey, we're only gonna make this movie ninety minutes." <laughs> uh, but no, they they didn't. The gods cursed us, and we had to cut a whole entire third act. We, uh, we sure did, which, again, took place where most of the other acts took place. Um, and we get the big CGI blowout we've, we've kind of always gotten. And then the just societies kind of decides, well, we'll keep an eye on you, but you can protect Kondok instead. And then they fly away. Um, anything else about the story we need to touch on? No, well, I did want to say I like the intercutting between, like, they're fighting Sabak, like, being you know, pressed for time and they're waiting for Black Adam and Black Adam's trying to escape the, the task force X base. And, you know, he's trying to get the thing off so he can say Shazam, you know, obviously it's like, that's a key thing in the Captain Marvel mythos is that you have to say the magic word in order to get the superpowers. So, you know, it's like, there it is, you know, on the big screen, if you're a fan of that, you know, that's what you pay to see. So there it is. So I really liked it. Yeah. I 
really enjoyed that sort of final Sabak versus Doctor Fate. It was it was just, it was very creatively done. I mean, you know, Doctor Fate is essentially sort of Doctor Strange in a way. Um, but I thought the the visualizing of those powers, especially for that sort of final battle, was very good. Um, and I did like that we finally got a, a resolution because you know it's set up in the beginning that he can see the future and he can see these you know bits and. Uh, it's very sort of mysteriously given out to us, but then I, I liked the payoff at the end of no, no, no this is the way this is the way that it's going to be. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair, and it, it kind of you know fakes us out. We think Hawkman's going to die, then he doesn't. Well, he does, but he doesn't. Um, they're kind of very clever in the way they do that, but it also like it is also what Doctor Strange does in Infinity War, but. To respond to people like you, Lewis, yes, I know Doctor Fate was actually, I believe, before Doctor Strange. Um, well, I, I kind of agree with you guys because, like, I think they do Doctor Fate of a bit of a disservice by just making him kind of a Doctor Strange clone in this movie by doing like the multiple things that Red is very like MCU Doctor Strange to me. Like, there's a whole, I'm not like super familiar with Doctor Fate, but it's like there's a whole backstory about him being a representative of order against chaos, which is like mentioned in this movie, but there's like a whole lot more that you could do with that. They, they just don't probably, you know, I guess in, in uh, Zach is happy because that would just make the movie longer. Probably if they <laughs> delved into Dr. Fate a bit more, but you know, I think there was a way to do that and keep the running time, you know, it's the same as it currently is, you know, just rearrange some things, uh, work on the structure a bit. Um, I, I would have loved to see more Dr. Fate. I would love to see, I mean, like, how exactly does this helmet work? I, I need to delve more into that. I want more of that. How did he get the helmet? I want all of that. I just need all that in a previous film or series on HBO Max so that going into this film, I'm invested. Yeah, I, I think it's, I, maybe it's not safe to say, but I certainly, I definitely think he was, like, the most compelling character in this movie. Um not just because it's Pierce Brosnan and Pierce Brosnan's great, but also because, like, you know, the idea of his power also being this kind of, like, um, kind of debilitating in a way, where he can touch this helmet and then it'll just kind of, like, take him out for an hour. Um, and there's kind of that push-pull. And I know that's kind of, like, not again, I'm not super knowledgeable on Dr. Fate either, but I remember from the Justice League Unlimited series, it being kind of a theme that there is a bit of a a trade-off with like the powers and kind of his sanity a little bit. So um, I think that'd be a really cool thing that could be explored. And Hey, we got, if we got a peacemaker series, I think we might be able to get a Dr. Fate series. If we write enough letters to um, James Gunn, who's in charge of this whole thing now. And, and I, I really, I mean, I think that Pierce Brosnan really does deserve a tip of the hat. Cause I think a lot of what you feel Mike, that, that investment for him. Yes. It's because it's Pierce Brosnan. And we all love Pierce Brosnan, but if, Pierce Brosnan is a terrific actor. Mm -hmm. He is able to put on a performance where you care about him and what's happening to him. And I think that only goes to underscore the fact that we care so little about some of these other characters, namely the teen heartthrob and Storm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, so that's that's kind of the... Well, and then we also have the, the post credit scene, of course, where, you know, Waller, who, again, talk about great, great actors, Viola Davis, love Viola Davis, um, love that. She One can, of the greatest living actors today. It's definitely up there. I also love that she can just kind of come into these movies for 10 minutes of pop. Um, 
you know, I don't want to say she phones it in, but just kind of put on a scowl and be mean and then make probably more money than she got for like making fences probably right like listen you uh, i i love the fact that she's in this movie for five minutes mm-hmm. and yeah she just comes in scowl ready scares the shit out of you because you're like oh my god if i ever had amanda waller in my face screaming <laughs> just pure fecal matter coming out non-stop that's it <laughs> no stopping it she's terrifying she's amazing and I hope that she got, I don't know, Alexis or something out of this out of this role. Yeah, uh, me too. But anyway, she pops up in like drone form, I feel like, if I remember correctly, uh, to Black Adam. And it's like, hey, you know, you got you got to make sure you're responsible for your powers. And they have kind of this standoff. And she's like, well, I'll, I'll send somebody who knows all, all, all about this. Um, and it, it's, it's Superman. And... Uh, they presumably have some kind of conversation. How did we feel about uh, Henry Cavill, who it seemed like may never put on the blue and white tights again? How did we feel about uh, Henry Cavill's return as Superman? Maybe not just in this scene because nothing happens in it, but like in general, how do we feel at the idea of Henry Cavill returning? Well, I wouldn't say. Well, okay, so I'm going to answer your question first, but then. I'll answer your question in a second. I wouldn't say nothing happens in the scene. I actually think something very extraordinary happens in the scene, which is that we see Superman, A, in his original Man of Steel uh, outfit, and also not the Hans Zimmer score that plays, but instead it's the Richard Donner, John Williams score that plays. I don't um it feels a little sacrilegious to me just uh and so i i that, i mean that, that could be a whole other podcast just getting into that but uh i i'm here for henry cavill i love henry cavill he is this generation superman i love him so much he is the nerd in all of us who grew up and instead just became a titan but yet it's still a big and fat nerd underneath all that um so yeah i love it because you're right there were times especially over the last couple years where we thought maybe this is it maybe we're never we're never getting him back and from my understanding it was purely the power of the rock that brought him back uh and i will be eternally thankful to Dwayne the rock johnson for that uh so yeah he brought him back and now they're in development for a man of steel 2 and maybe even more things beyond that uh we'll see what james gunn has got up his sleeves so i'm very happy to have him back i love him he's great you could watch those pecs all day <laughs> yeah no i i i'm i have feeling similar to, to zachary so i i'm i'm of two minds about it obviously one i'm a big superman fan so it obviously seemed like really dire for superman the past few years like with Henry Cavill seemingly being let out of his contract and like seemingly nothing being developed in terms of Superman, which is like, you know, one of the big faces of the DC comics universe. So like, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad Superman's there. I, I kind of wish, you know, obviously they were mar- hyping it to hell. You know, it's like black Adam versus Superman, you know, that classic rivalry <laughs> black Adam, Superman's famed arch nemesis. They have a, a fist fight. Um, and obviously, there's a whole mess of reasons uh, behind that. Um, it, he, I, I kind of wish, you know, Black Adam was like 
I mean, this movie, on the one hand, it does play into the Captain Marvel Shazam mythos a lot, but the whole outside marketing with just emphasizing Superman over Captain Marvel kind of bothered me, but that's neither here nor there. I'll, I'll answer your question. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad Henry Cavill's back. Um, oh, shoot, what was the other thing I was going to say? I can't remember now. <laughs> well, it'll... Uh... Like Henry Beck, it will come back. Henry Beck, excuse me. Like Henry Cavill, it'll come back to you. Um, yeah, I, I, I admittedly have not watched Man of Steel or Batman v Superman recently. And I also have actually yet to see either of the Justice League movies. But I am... Okay, and I'm going to step out at this point. So nice <laughs> to see you guys. Take care of yourselves. <laughs> I am intrigued at the prospect of Henry Cavill um, being Superman without Zack Snyder being around. Because I have, and I know you might feel differently, Lewis. I know you're, you're um, a defender of both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, which is fine. Um, you're not allowed to say that in public, Mike. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Since he outed you, I'll join you. I am also a defender of Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, the Ultimate Edition, oh. and Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, True gentleman here. Interesting. I I just think that he Zack Snyder, in my opinion, um, which is apparently outnumbered right now, he just does something that to me just kind of flattens every character he directs. I don't know what it is. It just kind of sucks the life out of them for me. Um, there's just something that I find a little incomprehensible about Batman v Superman. Um, even though I do, I don't know, I have mixed feelings about it, but basically I'm excited to see what, what Henry Cavill will do. Like I said, without Zack Snyder around, you can all yell at me now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I, I think it's clear that, you know, the Zack Snyder movies, which, you know, still exist and you can still ask them. They just did not connect to general audiences in a way that, you know, generates a lot of positivity and excitement and that oh-so-sweet box office revenue. So I, I'm glad, and I think, like, the the placing of the John Williams score over, like, the Hans Zimmer score is, like, a representation of that. And, like, obviously James Gunn has, like, just been newly inaugurated into the uh, position of, like, a chief of DC Films or whatever, but it seems like he's tweeted some stuff. Like, he, he tweeted, like, a Golden Age Superman comics panel the other day. So I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, and I think Henry Cavill has proven that he is a good actor. A lot of people said he was, like, a bad actor in, like, the Superman movies. I think it's, like, just a matter of, like, you know, casting and direction or whatnot. Because I think he's proven himself in... Uh, I think he's proven himself in other projects and the like outside of... Uh, his uh, DC films. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I'm totally fine if we want to make this podcast a Zack Snyder Stan apologist <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm ready for that. I am uh, ready, able, and willing, uh, equal to the task. But uh, it, to your point, Lewis, uh, I do think that sadly, Warner Brothers just has gotten a little too hands on with some things. And if you look at things like, for example, bvs versus bvs ultimate edition the original theatrical cut warner brothers put their hands all over and then the ultimate edition was what Zack snyder's original vision was ultimate edition is a better movie it's more liked by audiences but because it's tainted by the theatrical release it's hard to know well what would it have been like if we had just had Zack snyder's original vision there same thing with justice league justice league is shit on top of manure on top of caca 
It's just awful. But Zack Snyder's Justice League, Michael, Michael, <laughs> we, you, you need to come to Boston. We need to sit on the couch. It is a four-hour commitment, so you know we'll take bathroom breaks. It is so good, but it is a four-hour commitment. Yeah, that that that. I mean, that's been obviously the big uh, the big block. I, I, people, I people I know, namely you and Lewis, both like it. So I, um, I'm open to liking it, but I just haven't uh haven't you know found the four hours I mean, i'll probably just break it up into two bits at some point eventually but i almost wrote an article for actually for uh when i was in journalism school last year we had it we had to write a service piece um which is usually like you know oh here are like the 10 best taco places in brooklyn or whatever um but i was gonna do i watched six hours of the justice league so you don't have to um i didn't end up doing that i did something <laughs> else but um I'll get there eventually. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just wanted to respond to uh, what Zach said about, yeah, while the Ultimate Edition is better than the Theatrical Edition, I do think, to Warner Brothers' credit, you can't just, Zack Snyder shouldn't have just turned around and just made, like, a three-hour <laughs> superhero opus. It's, like, without being, like, you know, blissfully naive about, like, oh, you're, you don't like this? Um, you know, obviously, you know, they want to keep running time short so they can play movies so i can understand it from warner brothers point of view they're not in it to really like make necessarily like artsy best picture winners they're in it to make money with these characters that are very lucrative and merchandisable and it's really i think people like i i see a lot of people throwing hate at warner brothers like the past 10 years and i know they're just a big corporation but i don't think they're like like evil overlords sitting in their ivory tower like planning to make us all miserable i like genuinely think they're just people trying to do their jobs and i like, think it's really sad like what's been going on for like maybe even the last 20 years about just constantly changing hands and this whole thing with the the discovery merger which is really more of like a hostile takeover um but it's uh it's just it's really sad so i i hope you know ultimately they can get it all together i hope you know James Gunn, I feel like, has a better understanding of, like, story structure and what, like, general audiences want to see more so than Zack Snyder in a way that will hopefully reflect box office revenue and positive excitement. But, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Yeah. I, the, what? Yes. I, I, I think I am, too. You know, I'm interested to see what James Gunn does. I am, though, on my knees begging and pleading, though, for him to just, like chill out a little bit on the needle drops because actually I think the biggest problem I had with this movie was the needle drops were kind of lame. <laughs> um, I don't know why Bolt of Butterfly Wings, a song that was released uh, like 25 years ago, is the opening like song in this movie. Um, and like having a guy named Black Adam come out and kill a bunch of people to paint it black it is like my nose was bloody how on the nose it was like as 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 a also music critic like i just i just really need him to to, to rain rain I, again i'm sure james gunn didn't have that much directly to do with that but i always associate those kinds of needle drops with guardians of the galaxy where it's done quite well but uh it's it's now been imitated by people who don't do it quite as well so that's all i'll say about james gunn too <laughs> How um, would you rank this in kind of like DC's more recent efforts? Did you know? Um, did you like it? Like, is it kind of middle of the pack? Is it upper tier? Is it lower tier? Where where were you kind of like? Where does it slot in for you guys? 
it's mid tier for me. Um, like I said before, like it's okay. Uh, I mean, truly, if I had to, uh, I actually, I actually like the, the film. I know I've sort of shit on it a, a good bit today, but I actually, I actually enjoyed it. When the movie was over, I turned to my husband and I said, he was like, "What'd you think?" And I said, "I liked it. It was a fun movie. It's a popcorn movie." Go get you a big ass bowl of popcorn. Sit there, just eat all the popcorn, and the amount of nutritional, like, nutritional. Uh, I was gonna say nutritional yeast. Why is the word? <laughs> the the amount of like nutrition you're gonna get from that bowl of popcorn is the amount of like quality cinema you're gonna get from this movie. No, but you know what? The popcorn is gonna be damn good, and the movie you're gonna enjoy it. So I think that's really all you can get from this movie so uh, mid mid tier yeah i i don't know i i i'd say it's like mid mid tier too in the sense that i think probably all superhero movies are mid tier like they're not achieving like the heights of storytelling in cinema but um i was i was surprised going into this about how much i enjoyed it particularly as a companion to the uh previous shazam film with zachary levi i, I was like worried that it's like these two films that they'd be so diametrically opposed that I couldn't really connect them. But I was surprised how much I felt like I could just slot one before the other and I could probably watch them both as a double feature. Um, so like, uh, like you could say how I, I was surprised by the, some of the darkness in Shazam, but, but still enjoying it. I was surprised by how like kind of lighthearted that this black Adam movie was when I was kind of dreading like the absolute worst in terms of like darkness and grittiness. So in that terms, I, I really liked it and I was kind of surprised how much I enjoyed it going into it, coming out of it. Yeah, I think I, I'm more or less in the same camp. I, I know I, I probably came across as more negative um, than you guys did uh, in this episode. But I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think there are a lot, like, I mean, I've talked to some people who, you know, think it's, like, one of the best movies they've seen all year. These are people who don't go to the movies a lot, but <laughs> admittedly. But, you know, I, I, think it, I think it will actually connect with, like, and already has connected with, um, general audiences, I think, more than uh, I think one might expect for such a, a relatively obscure character. Um, so yeah, I I, uh, I go see it. Like if if you're into superhero movies, go see it. And if even if you're not, you know, I think you'll get something out of it. You know, like you said, popcorn wise. Um, but uh, to uh, uh, follow up on what you were saying, Lewis, about it being, you know, you, you could kind of pair it with Shazam. So Black Adam will return. In Shazam, Fury of the Gods, which is coming out next year. Uh, in fact, there will be four total uh, DC Comics-based movies coming out in 2023. In addition to Shazam, Fury of the Gods, we will get uh, Blue Beetle, Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, and um, uh, a movie uh, called The Flash. What, uh, what, what are we looking forward to the most out of all these, all these movies? Uh, well, I mean, I guess I, I, I've been typing up the Shazam movies a lot, so I'm excited to see Shazam. I was upset that it was pushed back in terms of the day and date release so to March, I believe, March next year. And uh, I, I liked Aquaman, so I, I'm excited to see the Aquaman sequel. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see those movies. Um, I'll wait to see a Blue Beetle trailer and, and a Flash trailer as well. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm game for more Zachary Levi. Uh, that's gonna be super fun. I mean, the villains are Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren. <laughs> I mean, sign me up. 
I'm game to watch Helen Mirren read the phone book and her playing a, a superhero villain. I mean, come on, juicy and delicious. So I'm game for that. Uh, Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle who? Huh? I don't know her. Um, and then uh, Aquaman, same. I liked Aquaman. I, James Wan, big fan. Big fan of James Wan. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the second one. Is Amber Heard in that one? I think she is in that one. So, okay, that'll be interesting. Um, and The Flash, yeah, it's, man, I mean, having Michael Keaton back as Batman for the Flash film excites me at such a core level of my being, and to know that the film is going to be plagued with all of the shenanigans that Ezra Miller has been involved in uh, is very sad to me. Uh, the only, What I can only hope for is that there's some reshoots that happen between now and then, and James Gunn has some power over that, and we basically use it as a flashpoint, if you know anything about what happened with Flashpoint several years ago, setting up the new 52, um, that we use it as a flashpoint event to then say, hey, everybody, um, so you know all these DC movies that we've been doing in the last couple of years, those are all gone, welcome to the new DCEU, and then we just start from scratch, and they'll let James Gunn really take us from there yeah i I think um despite uh the ezra miller issue that has the most potential in that regard uh to be kind of i guess cataclysmic um in a good way uh cataclysm is usually bad isn't it um yeah i know i'm interested in all these movies i like the first shazam as you mentioned good cast for uh fury of the gods i'm just kind of intrigued by blue beetle because that's a character who again like black adam probably not someone uh just most people are going to recognize and i'm interested to see what they're going to do with the concept well um and of course we should also pour one out for batgirl um kill before it could be released uh thanks so much for listening everybody uh to the pony express you can find the pony express anywhere you can find uh your podcast please like rate and subscribe let us know what you think about black adam at contact uh, Zach, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter for now until it becomes a hellscape in Elon's vision. Uh, on Twitter at OKGayBird, okay and that's B-Y-R-D. And you can also find With a Gay Twist uh, at com. If you like all things news and politics, but, you know, With a Gay Twist, come check us out. And you can find me on Twitter as well as at the Lewis Ryan. Um, I, I contribute some articles to the Post Rider and actually have a my very own podcast show on the Post Rider Network, currently co-hosted by Mr. Mike Levito, called The Visitors Might Be Listening, where we talk about the TV show for all mankind. So check that out. New episodes are being released right now. So subscribe to that on your podcast feed. And that Joel Kinnaman. Mm, I do enjoy him. He's uh, He's pretty great. Mike uh, thinks he's hilarious. He's the comedic genius. <laughs> I, I said he was funny in one episode, and now Lewis won't let me live it down, even though I was right. Um, anyway, you can find me on Twitter, Adam Levito. You can also find my work on PostRider. You can find it on The Writing as well. Um, and you can find me on Letterboxd, Adam Maramike. In addition to all these fun pop culture episodes, you can also... Uh, find us on the Politic Express, where uh, Lars Emerson and I delve into the world of politics. What else will we do on that podcast? So, uh, yeah.
That's that. That's us. And uh, thanks so much for listening to the Pony Express. We'll see you next time.